Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa DeSimone. And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today's episode is on tax tips and tricks related to working from home. In March 2020, as the COVID pandemic took hold in the United States, numerous businesses and their employees transitioned to a work from home modality. For employees that reside in a state different from that of their employer's office, or for employees who chose to ride out the pandemic in a completely new location, work from home brought tax challenges. In this episode, we discuss how states tax an employee's personal income and how the pandemic has changed those rules. Hello, Lisa. Hello, B. So today we're talking about something that has touched all of us deeply over the last two years, the pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic has changed our daily lives in so, so many ways. One big change that seems to be part of the new normal is working from home, at least far more than I used to. Uh, Me too. And also, I think we need to talk about this new word modality. Like, was that a word? That's a word that was not in my vocabulary. I think it's a word. I agree. Not, Not questioning. It was just not a word that was in my vocabulary before the pandemic. What was not in my vocabulary was WFH. Yes. Work from home. Yes. Okay. So we're learning all new things. Maybe modality will be the word of the year. I'm feeling very hip right now. I think you and I are like, you know, we're up on all the, all the cool lingo. <laughs> all the cool, yes. Said the old white woman. Yes, we are. <laughs> okay, LOL. According to a survey of about 2,500 full-time workers conducted by Global Workplace Analytics and OWL Labs, 69% of U.S. employees worked remotely at the first peak of the pandemic. When the pandemic kicked in, did you stay where your employer was the whole time? Or did you, like, I fleed. I fled. Yes. I fluted. You fluted. I fleed. I shouldn't be saying this because Illinois is going to come after me, so never mind. I will say when the pandemic first hit, I was about a week away, 10 days away from teaching, and I spent that entire quarter teaching in slippers, and it was delightful. That's a benefit of the pandemic. Yes. Okay. Uh, Many companies like Facebook, Apple, Ford, and Uber continued to delay the return of their employees to offices, leaving their pretty large, substantial, in many cases, brand new campuses completely empty. And many companies are grappling with increased demand to work from home, even once the pandemic dies down. Yes, and I found that somewhat surprising, but 82% of U.S. employees actually want to keep working remotely at least part of the week, maybe one day a week, even when the pandemic is over. And on average, employees say they would prefer to work from home about half the time. Which is a lot. It is. And this is a rising trend that we saw even before COVID hit. So in 2019, that year saw a 40% rise in the number of U.S. employers offering flexible workplace options compared to five years earlier. All right. And maybe it's not too surprising that people want to work from home because there are numerous advantages to employers of offering their employees a more flexible work arrangement, specifically if you have employees who are caring for young children or elderly relatives, those with disabilities, anyone who wants to maybe get some more education, take some classes online. People who just want to be able to take a nap in the middle of the afternoon. People who want to be able to work in their pajamas. Teach in their slippers. All good things. The list could go on and on. 
But it's also created some hairy tax issues among U.S. states. And that is the topic of today's episode. So our goal today is to explain how states tax the salaries and wages earned by employees, as well as how COVID has disrupted some of these practices and has even caused legal battles that have gone all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. This little virus has caused a lot of trouble. It's something to sue over for sure. I'm not sure that I would sue a state. I think I want to sue COVID. I want to sue sue somebody for this. (laughs) Someone must be held responsible. The fundamental question we're going to touch on today is which state gets to tax the income of a worker who works in one state but lives in another? And of course, this question existed long before COVID. Yes, long before COVID, once upon a time, I lived in a little state called Kansas. I've heard of it. And I worked in a state called Missouri. I'm sitting in it. Yes. Somehow, I never got tired of the joke. Sweetie, I'm not in Kansas anymore. It's timeless. Every day on my way to work. (laughs) Would you say it to yourself? Yes. Okay. I call myself sweetie. I I know that about you, so yeah. But what I learned from this bi-state experience is two things. First, your resident state usually claims the right to tax all of your income. And second, most states also claim the right to tax you based on your time spent working in that state. If the time or income associated with that time exceeds some small threshold like $600 in the great state of Missouri. Okay, but what if some days you worked in the office in Missouri and some days you worked from home in Kansas? Based on what you just explained, it kind of sounds like you're saying that there are two different states that have the right to tax your income, and that sends off the alarm bells because mm-hmm. that's double taxation. So what, yeah. are, what are we doing here? Yes, it is double taxation. The saving grace is that most states also allow a credit for taxes paid to other states. So it works very similarly to a foreign tax credit. The state tax credit helps mitigate double taxation. And I feel an example coming on. All right, let's say you're me circa 2008. No offense, I don't want to be you in 2008. I want to be me in 1999. Well, I don't want to be me in 2008 (laughs) either. I was working full-time and going to school, and on top of it all, I had to live in Kansas. All right. Don't always get what you want. Okay, fair enough. You were living in Kansas, working in Missouri. It was 2008. Let's say, for sake of argument, that you were WFH. We're so cool. In Kansas, one day a week. And the other four days of the week, you were in the office in Missouri. Perfect. So let's put some numbers on it. Let's say my salary is $50,000. Baller. The Kansas personal income tax rate is 3%. And the Missouri income tax rate is 5%. All right. So you, in this example, were working in Missouri four out of five days of the week. That was 80% of the week. So Missouri is going to want to tax 80% of your income. That's $40,000 taxed at 5% or $2,000 of income tax that you're going to owe to Missouri in this very simplified example where we're ignoring things like deductions and exemptions, credits, yeah, all all the things. Most of the things, yes. Okay. Let's keep it simple though. So Kansas is going to include all of that $50,000 of income because I'm a Kansas resident. So $50,000 at 3%, I owe $1,500 in Kansas. But then I get to subtract off those taxes paid to Missouri because Kansas allows that state tax credit. Those taxes in Missouri were actually greater than my tax liability of 1500 in Kansas, so I don't owe any taxes in Kansas at all. And that's right, and that's a good thing for you because there's no right. double taxation. It's kind of a crappy thing for Kansas because they paid to support your butt living in that state and they didn't get anything for it. I'm very low maintenance. 
<laughs> moving, moving on. Okay, she is. She's much. She's the low maintenance of the two of us for sure. But the bad thing is for you, you actually also don't get a refund from Kansas. They're not going to give you $500, that difference between your Kansas and your Missouri tax. No, but usually I should be able to carry forward that refund to a future year to help mitigate double taxation then. So just to note that if both states have the exact same tax rate, you would effectively pay 80% of your taxes to Missouri in this example and 20% to Kansas. And that seems fair. We've got an example here where the tax policy is working in our favor. It's mitigating any double taxation problem. The states know this. They're going to just deal with it and get along. And like everything, really, I think that we ever talk about on this podcast, everything works out perfectly. You'd like to think that, (laughs) wouldn't you? Would. Inconceivable. All right. So the first rub is that if we flipped the tax rates of Missouri and Kansas in our example, I'd owe 3% on $40,000 in Missouri or $1,200. And then I'd also owe 5% on all of my $50,000 of income in Kansas or $2,500. So even after I take that credit for the $1,200 of Missouri tax against my $2,500 of Kansas tax, I still owe $1,300 to the state of Kansas. So effectively, I'm paying the higher Kansas rate on some of the income I earned and paid tax on in the lower tax state of Missouri. So that's kind of the first thing to be aware of here. There actually is going to be some double taxation if you reside in the higher tax state but work in the lower tax state. And that's why we're trying to be careful to say that tax credits mitigate double taxation, but they don't always eliminate it in every situation. Exactly. The second rub in this situation is that a handful of states have a rule named after its key benefit, quote, convenience of the employer. This rule ignores the physical location of the employee and requires the employee to report the income to the state where their office, their employer's office is located, regardless of where they actually perform the work. The reason this is called convenience of the employer is because the employer withholds state taxes on your income during the year. They have to do that because of the pay-as-you-go system that we have in the U.S. They have to remit tiny payments for you along the way as you earn your income. And this particular rule allows them to use the rate where the office is located. And that's easier for the people who are working in HR and payroll because it doesn't require them to track the multiple withholding rules and rates depending on where you actually do your work. Yeah, so super convenient for the employer. Totally great. Um, little problem. The, the rule isn't so convenient for employees working in states other than the one in which they reside. But who really cares about that? I do. I care. I do too. I do too. Back to our example, if Missouri had this rule, I'd be taxed on 100% of my income in Missouri, despite the fact that I work from home 20% of the time in Kansas. And of course, because I'm a resident of Kansas, I'm also taxed on 100% of my income in Kansas. Again, a tax credit should mitigate Mitigate. double taxation. Mitigate. But what if you end up working from home 100% of the time because of, say, I don't know, what would be a good reason that would cause you to work at home 100% of the time? I'm really racking my brain to think of a real world, like, timely, relevant example. Where your employer would let you. Because, like, you could say, I hate all my coworkers, but they'd probably still make you go to the office. It would have to be, like, a societal reason why we all couldn't go into work together. Like a pandemic? Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Okay. Let's say... COVID? COVID. COVID. Okay. Let's say you had to WFH 100% of the time because of COVID. And then you'd find yourself in the huge mess many employees have found themselves in over the past 20 plus months 
on top of COVID. Because that's what we really needed in life was tax problems on top of all of the other joys that the pandemic has brought us. So we're going to go back to the example of Lisa in 2008, but in this time for um, psychological richness, we're going to add in COVID. Because who doesn't love a little COVID (laughs) added to the mix? Yes, this is truly a recipe (laughs) made in hell. That's where most of my recipes are made. (laughs) If anyone's ever had a meal that I've prepared, most of my recipes are made in hell. Continue. Anybody who's had a meal you prepared didn't survive the experience. (laughs) Let's be real. Nobody's ever had a meal I've prepared. So, okay, we're done here. All right, let's go back to our example. We'll add in COVID, but let's use a state that actually has a COVID convenience rule. So Massachusetts is a great example. Let's say you live in, say, New Hampshire, but work in Massachusetts. Otherwise, we're going to stick with the same facts as before, same amount of income, same time working from home, and same tax rates. All right, your office in Massachusetts shuts down. Because of COVID. And you're working from home 100% of the time. You never actually enter the state of Massachusetts during the entire year, much less do any work there because you live in New Hampshire after all, and why commute or really leave your house if you don't have to? Right. I basically forgot for a solid year what real shoes were. Absolutely. So you work 0% of your time in Massachusetts. The problem is Massachusetts convenience rule means that simply because your employer's office is in Massachusetts, Even though it is sitting there empty, Massachusetts rule means you have to report 100% of your income in Massachusetts, despite the fact that you never once worked there during the year, nor did any of your coworkers. And as we've said before, you also have to report 100% of your income to New Hampshire, which does make sense because you reside there and you spent 100% of your time there taking advantages of the services that the state is providing to you. What doesn't make sense is why you'd also pay taxes in Massachusetts if you literally never set foot there for the entire tax year. And it gets worse because New Hampshire famously is the live free or die state. And part of living free is not paying taxes. So New Hampshire doesn't tax employment income at all. It only taxes investment income. So from New Hampshire's perspective, you shouldn't pay tax on your employment income to any state if you did all of the work in the live free or die state. And that's great for New Hampshire, but states with large metro areas that are close to a border, like Boston and Massachusetts, New York City in New York State, they're used to having a ton of commuters come into their state, bringing tax revenues with them when they do. And so they kind of freaked out when COVID hit, as we all did, much like everybody, <laughs> and a whole bunch of those workers stayed home many of them residing in other states. And so Massachusetts and New York rationally sat back and thought, uh, this ain't good. This could be a huge revenue loss for us. Right. And so here's the kicker. Massachusetts didn't even have a convenience rule pre-COVID, but they're sitting there in 2020 facing a huge revenue loss of so many workers no longer coming into the state. And so they decided to impose the convenience rule as an emergency regulation. The whole point of the rule is to tax non-resident workers now telecommuting into the state. That's a little bananas. It is a little bananas. And the state of New Hampshire agrees with us. I've always liked the state of New Hampshire. Very reasonable people. They sued Massachusetts, alleging that Massachusetts has no jurisdiction because employees have no physical connection to Massachusetts during WFH. 
They don't require services from Massachusetts. And basically claiming that Massachusetts is trying to subvert New Hampshire's sovereign right to not impose an income tax on their residents. And you know it's serious when people start talking about sovereign rights. It's, it's getting real. So New Hampshire called Massachusetts's actions a, quote, unconstitutional tax grab. Them's fighting words. Those are smack talk. The case went to the Supreme Court, and the court ruled over the summer that it would not hear the case after the U.S. Solicitor General filed an amicus brief stating the opinion, basically, that the case should be first tried based on real facts and circumstances of individual taxpayers in lower courts. Stay tuned for more fights like this one, because other states like New York already had a convenience rule in place pre-COVID and issued guidance during COVID sticking to their guns because they were facing that large revenue loss. So the only way to get out of New York tax is for an employer to open up an office in the worker's resident state, and New Jersey is considering legislating over this. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think these are the types of cases that Supreme Court justices just dream of having to listen to? Evidently not, because they wouldn't even hear it. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Tax, get out! These states opposing the convenience rule during COVID are also resorting to non-legislative actions. As we said, usually your resident state gives you a credit for taxes paid to another state. But one tactic states are using during COVID is to stop giving or at least threatening to stop giving that credit. And it's just like the Supreme Court decision because all that's doing is putting the onus back on individual taxpayers to take up the double taxation issue to court. And that may be partly why the House introduced a bill just a few days after the Supreme Court ruling that would deny a state the right to tax a non-resident for income they earn while physically in another state. I like it. If only Congress could pass a law. You're asking too much. (laughs) All right, time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of state tax issues arising from COVID and work from home. I'll start us off with the good. One thing we haven't mentioned yet is that many states that previously had a convenience rule that would tax non-resident telecommuters as if they were working in the office, they've done the exact opposite of Massachusetts and relaxed that rule at least temporarily during COVID. That is good news. And I'm sorry to be so on brand here, but there's actually a bad part of that as well. This is as as B brand as it gets. I gotta be me. And that's that these temporary stays are temporary and so they're already starting to expire. Oops. Some of these have been extended, but it's unclear if they all will remain in place as the pandemic just drags on and on and on. Yeah. And on. I mean, I think we I think we all expected it to be done by now. I mean, I'm mentally done with it. <laughs> Another bad element here goes back to that fact we started with, that the state that you're a resident in typically asserts the right to tax all of your income, regardless of where else you're working and taxed. And a number of people during COVID decided that they didn't need to be in the office, but also that their home left a little something to be desired to be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whether they needed more space or wanted proximity to nature or just wanted to go be close to family to quarantine with them through the pandemic. Yes. So to give a really quick primer on state residency, it's the state where you have the closest economic connection. If you moved even temporarily to another state for an extended period of time, and that's where you made your home and worked, you may have accidentally established residency in that state, meaning you now owe taxes in that state 
on all your income. Yeah. Yuck. Some states like California also have part-time residency rules. So if you kept your home in California for any part of the year, California is going to tax you on a pro rata share of all of your income, not just employment income, but also investment income, regardless of when you did any trades. Yep. And that leads us to the ugly which is actually more of an issue for employers than employees. That's the concept of nexus. If a business has, quote, nexus in a state, which means a sufficient economic connection to the state, then that business's income is taxable in that state. And the business might also have to collect sales tax from transactions with customers in that state. And as you just said, that's more of an issue for employers that don't already have significant operations in a state. So quick example, let's say Facebook doesn't have an office or anything else that would trigger Nexus in Arizona, so they don't have to pay income taxes in Arizona. But during COVID, let's assume Facebook closes its office and some of its employees decide they want to move to Arizona to be near family or to stare at the Grand Canyon all day long. Sounds lovely. Why not? The fact that Facebook now has some employees in Arizona could be enough such that Facebook has to file a tax return and pay income taxes in Arizona. And that is a really big deal for Facebook. It's a huge deal. Companies and their tax advisors regularly put a lot of work into how they can avoid Nexus in a state. You're not looking for Nexus. Right. So usually it's through decisions that they can control, like where to locate an office or where to locate a factory. But now COVID and work from home has thrown a big wrench in a lot of that tax planning work. And what we're trying to get at here is the employees could actually be putting the employer in a situation that they didn't plan for or intend or want. And I imagine there are some companies out there that aren't even aware that they have employees working in a state that they don't have nexus in. And that's going to come as a very nasty surprise. The redeeming factor is that some states have put in place emergency provisions saying that if an employee is only in their state because of work from home, that won't trigger nexus for the company. But many of those provisions are, wait for it. Um, expiring? Already expiring. Damn you, COVID. Yeah. I'm ready for this to be over. All right. 